This is Game Designed Unboxed, inspiration to publication on the No Direction Network. Danielle, Denise, and Ben interview tabletop designers on the games they've made. Together, they unbox how a game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle Reynolds, for Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication, episode five, trekking the national parks and world. Today, we are joined by Charlie Bink. Creative director <laughs> of Underdog Games, designer of Trekking the National Park, Trekking the World, and soon a history version. So Charlie and the Trekking the National Parks game was featured on Amazon Prime's gaming documentary titled Game Master. If you haven't checked it out, you really should. But today I'm excited to talk to him about all things trekking. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I didn't know if I was supposed to cut in there and say hi, but... I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. So I first want to know, like, how did you get into the gaming industry? Um. So how I got into it. Um. Originally, man. Um. It started years ago. I didn't really play a lot of board games until I think like college, which would for me would have been around two thousand two. Okay. Those were like the golden days when, like, hey, have you heard of this game called Settlers of Catan? You know, let's play oh, it nice. three years straight every week. Um, so I got, you know, I got hooked into the, the hobby back then. Um, and at the time I was, uh, I went to school for media arts and animation. Uh, I have an art background originally. Okay. And I just loved it. I just, uh, I just loved playing board games back then. And uh, more and more this sort of like idea of, yeah, I want to, I want to be a part of this, this industry. This would be cool. You know, I want to, you know, do art for games. That's what I was originally as I, I thought I was going to be an artist for games. And so I guess that led into, um, here in the, in a greater Phoenix area is where Eagle Griffin games is. And, uh, they, you know, they make the Vital games. Um, they make uh, ink and gold for sale, uh, yeah. Griffin books, classics and whatnot. Um, and just by a weird chance meeting, I met the owner, Rick, um, I was probably back in like 2005 and, you know, I was a gamer. He owned this company and me and my friends were like, Hey, can we, you know, know you can help you or anything. And so, <laughs> nice. yeah, you know how that goes. It's like, ah, I want to, this is something I care about. I want to, you know, get involved with it. So, uh, you know, we, we would just play test to the games that he was going to publish, go to his house and do that. Um, and then eventually, you know, I started uh, doing contract work for art for the games. And if you look back, you can see a bunch of really horrible old artwork I did for games back in that time. Period. Oh, no, I'm sure it was great. Um, it's, it's painful. But no, it was uh, that, so I, that was kind of like my first foray into the industry is like doing artwork for early Eagle Griffin games. That's so cool. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I worked other jobs for a while. Um always kind of in the back of my mind wanting to do this. Um, in 2017, I then ended up actually coming full circle and working full time for Eagle Griffin games only for like a partial, like a part of a year. <laughs> so not very long. <laughs> no, it's hard to work for Eagle Griffin games for very long, but I did do uh, it so I can wear that badge. But yeah, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how it came about. Very cool. So what brought you into the designing aspect then of games? Um, so that's, oh, that's actually a fun story. So I was super into, so, you know, cut back to, you know, once again, early 2000s, um, I was getting super into games and, um, um, you know, I was sort of the youngin in my group. Uh, the other guys were, you know, at the time I was like early twenties, they were all in their thirties. Um, they were smart and, you know, knew how to play these big sprawling board games and I was trying to keep up. Okay. I, and, I definitely know that feeling. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You know that feeling? So yeah, I, um, I, I was something about that, like inspired me to want to like, I made a card game back then. Um, and I, I remember telling, um, my friends, it's like, Hey, you know, next game night, next Thursday, can I bring my game and you guys can test it? And they were all, they're all very supportive and awesome. They were like, yeah, absolutely. I'll bring it. We'll try it out. That's so nice. And so I bring this absolute monstrosity. Um, I sit it down, <laughs> I have like my two friends playing it. And, you know, an absurd amount of time goes on, uh, just absolute torture. And oh, when it ends, my friend Brett, I, he loves this story. I always tell it. This is how we like bonded forever. He like, you know, like tears the glasses off of his face and like sort of puts his hand in his face, and like rubs the stress oh, in no. his eyes. And he just goes like, I never want to play that again. <laughs> oh, wow. He just ripped that bandaid. <laughs> yeah. 
And something about that was just like, oh, wow, that's, you know, I, I'm an entertainer. I'm an artist. That's, that's not how these things are supposed to go. These are supposed to end with, you know, good things. Yeah, with um, comments and just everyone patting you on the back, be like, "This looks so pretty." Yeah, like a positive. Yeah, so it was just something about that moment, like really sort of awoke like the challenge. I'm like, I want to be good at this. So since then, you know, I've always been like kind of designing games while you know in the background of my life, and eventually getting Brett to go, "I like this one," which is always a big uh, compliment when I can pull that off. That's so, so funny. Yeah, I feel like most people would have taken that comment and be like, oh my God, I should never try this again. This was terrible, but you took it as a challenge. I love that. Isn't that seem to be kind of the where like game designers come from though? Because like you have to be able to weather just absolute pain, you know, just like, um, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you, you show someone a game and you're in a very vulnerable state uh, yeah. and they're just so unhappy and they tear it apart and you just have to be okay with that. Um, it is so true. There are definite times where I'm like, okay, it's not you. It's yeah. this person. It's this game. It's this one time. Like all the things that normally don't happen happen to this one person, and it mm-hmm. became so negative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just kind of go like, hey, this is one play test. One play test in a, a long string of iterations. So I've gotten more comfortable with it over the years, and I don't take it personally at all anymore, which is a, freeing to say the least. Oh my God, I bet. So then what inspired you to design Trekking the National Parks? Because that was your, I mean, most well-known game. Yeah, no, sure. So yeah, so that came about, well, my family, ever since I was forever, I remember, uh, has always sort of loved the National Parks, has always been connected to it. My dad has been obsessed with them as long as I can remember. Um, And, you know, we've gone to, uh, we're from California originally, so there's tons of National Parks there. And so since I was very young, we drove around and visited all of them and went camping and whatnot. That's so nice. Um, moved to Arizona when I was, you know, like high school era, uh, sort of age. And um, my parents then, you know, so the you know, National Park love continued even then. But uh, about a decade ago, so the timeline's getting kind of fuzzy for me, but about a decade ago, sort of like 2010, uh, my parents, I guess it was 20, 2009, uh, they retired, both of them retired. And they were kind of like, well, what are we going to do now that we retired? And the answer ended up being like, hey, let's visit every single national park. Now, this That's is, awesome. Yeah, this is them, mind you. This is me. I was working. I was trying to figure out how to you know, be an adult at the time. Oh, yeah. so, adulting sounds way better, no offense. <laughs> yeah, I think they got to the good stuff. They, they, well, I wouldn't say they skipped. They worked hard to get there, though. <laughs> exactly. They, 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 they earned it. So they, they did this grand tour and granted it wasn't like your classic, you know, getting a, you know, a, a van and go see all of them in a row. They're like, no, 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 we're, we're, you know, baby boomers. We want to be comfortable. So they sort of spread out their, um, yeah, their schedule of visiting of them over several years, uh, visiting them like in clumps over the years. And in between those trips, when they were gone, you know, they would come back to town. We would have dinner together. I would usually bring a game. Um, and at the time their favorite game was, uh, ticket to ride. And so, um, one time when they came back, you know, we were playing it and my dad was like, Hey, I got a good idea. And I'm like, ah, what's your idea? Um, he's like, what if you made a game? that's kind of like ticket to ride, except about the national parks. Okay. And at first, and at first I'm kind of like, that blame, you know, that sounds boring, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the more I thought about, it, I mean, cause at the time, you know, I mean, I, I, I was feeling, I think at the time, very like creatively just sort of tapped out. There was a lot yeah. of like, bad stuff going on in my life. And something about something about it sort of resonated with me where I was like, you know, he legitimately would want to play that. And God, the more I think about it, I think more people would want to play that than would want to play any of these. I, you know, I, well, I look at this, I have goblins in this game I'm making, or I have zombies in this game. I'm like, there's so many of those. I sure. bet there'd be a lot of people that would want that. And so yeah. it just kind of came from that. And so after you said it, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to work on that dad. And so the rest is history. You know, I just, I, I worked on it. We played it as family. We got it, the game to that point. You know, when you design a game where you go, Oh, hey, oh, this is great. You know, got to that point. Um, and yeah, that's sort of the, uh, that's sort of where it came from. That's so cool. So for anyone who has not played this game, would you mind just briefly going over how the game plays? Absolutely. So, uh, Trek to the National Parks, it's uh, a map of the United States. Um, there's, you know, there's little cross sections for Hawaii, Alaska, and some of the other islands. <laughs> and um, basically, it's sort of uh, 
uh, each park is sort of a point on the map and they're all con- and they're connected by different little paths, uh, little, little trails, so to say. Um, each of those points at the beginning of the game is going to be populated with a little uh, trail stone. And everyone starts on this, you know, big uh, start spot in the center. Yeah. Uh, the main sort of currency of the game is you're drawing these Trek cards into your hand. Uh, they have an icon and a number. Um, the number is used exclusively on your turns to move around. So, you know, if you want to move, you know, from one place to the other place and it's separated by like, let's say three stops, you could spend a three card, um, or you could spend like a two and a one, you know, from your hand and that would move you to three spots. Yeah. The numbers do that. Um, as you're moving around, you're picking up these little trail stones. Whenever you land on a spot, you pick up the trail stone. Those are colored and that becomes sort of a, um, sort of a race for majorities of different colors, like, you know, most green, most red, most yellow. For sure. Um, and uh, the icons on the Trek cards are used sort of as a set collection for, there's these these park cards that sort of sit above the board, um, different point values, different amount of icons. And you have to get to the park and then turn in the, uh, the Trek cards from your hand to claim the park card to get the points for it. Um, you go until you run out of, or someone someone gets five park cards, or uh, the stones run out on the map, and whoever has the most points wins. It's pretty pretty simple. Yeah, I do like that it is one that if you're not someone who's super into gaming, it's easy to pick up. Also, I love the fact that you include facts about each of the parks. <laughs> oh, so right. cool. It's so fun to read. Yeah, it was a good opportunity for that. And didn't you do the artwork for the first edition of the game? So yeah, so the very first edition was was basically all me and my family. I did the old cover art, I did all the graphic design, did the logo, did everything. The photo, uh, the the, uh, the photos are mostly my dad's. Um, he had by the time we were done with the game, he had seen all the national parks, but you know some of the photos he had kind of sucked. So we actually uh, had. <laughs> I love a, that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know he, we we know it's good and bad, <laughs> but yeah. we were lucky in that we knew a friend who was like a. Um, they had met someone on the road that was a, a professional photographer. And so he sort of helped us fill in the gaps for like the harder parks to photograph, like, you know, Carlsbad Cavern. It's really hard to get like a cave shot that's good, you know, things like that. Oh, I'm sure. So yeah, it's uh, like, oh, that's a dark hole. Great. But yeah, no, I can, I can very proudly say that the first edition of the game was just me and my family. And that was it. And we just self-published it ourselves. What did it look like to self-publish? Especially a first game. Like, how did you go about that and make that decision? So for that, um, that kind of, that wasn't really a business decision, so to say, as much as it was a, just this kind of wanted to do it. I mean, this was, oh man, the timeline, this was, we, well, we did our Kickstarter in 2012. So if I go back in time before that, we were just sort of making the game and like, I was making the art for it and I was playing it with my parents and showing it to them and and they liked it a lot. And I had in my mind that I, you know, I was like, you know, you know, everyone was doing Kickstarters and everyone, this was like the thing to do. I definitely get that. That's like all newer designers, like Kickstarter, that's the way to do it. Who wants to pitch games? Pitching is scary. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, I had always wanted to do it, but I had a full-time job that was very, you know, taxing. And, um, basically I had sort of a down point in my life right around that time where I had to quit my job. I was very depressed. I couldn't really get anything done. I wasn't really looking for jobs. I couldn't, you know, I was was just having a tough time. And this game was already sort of in the works, like just sort of on the side as a side project. And, you know, love my parents so much to this day for saying it. They're like, you know, you got nothing else going on. Just make it, just do, just throw yourself in and make it. And then it won't be done until you do a Kickstarter for it, you know? So I said, all right. And, you know, I just sort of threw myself into making it over the course of like, you know, six months to a year, um, past the point of just designing the game, you know, just doing all the art and getting it all set up and making all the graphics and testing it further, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then we did a, we just did our own Kickstarter. Uh, the family did it ourselves and made literally every mistake you could possibly make, but you know, we did it. So yeah, I wish I could say it was some amazing grand plan, but it wasn't, it was just, let's fumble into doing this. Um, so. That is so insane, but that's how that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it happened. So Charlie, how did the second edition come about? Yeah. So the second edition, um, 
I was pretty green at the time with my original uh, first edition that I made my family. And so there were always just things in the back of my mind that I was like, I wish I could have done that. I would have fixed this, et cetera, et cetera. And I had been toying with that for years while we were selling um, the first edition. The first edition had won a Mensa award uh, back in 2015, which is awesome. I love that. Mensa is sort of a... um, and what is it? I'm trying to remember. I thought there was like an acronym or something to it, but it's basically like a, uh, a guild of people who have high IQs and the Mensa game, uh, the Mensa award is something they give to uh, some board games once a year. They, they do like a big uh, uh, get together and, and um, all the members vote on which games they like. I know it's that. such a huge award to get. I also feel like normally it's more puzzly games. So that's super impressive that you received it. It was one of those completely, then the other thing too is, it was such a surprise because I didn't even know, like, like my dad had just like heard about it and like sent the game in. So I didn't even know. And then like one day I like started getting a bunch of like Facebook messages like, Hey, congratulations. Like, uh, oh my God, Michael, are you serious? I heard about, I heard about it because Michael Cove of Game and Game like messaged me. He's like, Oh my God, dude, what the hell? Congratulations. Like, what, what are you talking about? Um, so yeah. That's um, so but but that was the first edition, and I guess you asked about the second edition. Like I'd had it around, I was happy with it, but I was also not happy with it. You know, with because as with most things, you're never completely happy with the stuff you make. So I had all these ideas that I wanted to do, um, and then later um, when I joined Underdog Games, the opportunity to like do a, another printing of the game came out, and I was like, oh, this is my chance to do a second edition of this game. So that's kind of how I, that came about. Yeah, I love how they took you up on that, Charlie. Now, could you maybe go into a little bit more detail about how you became involved with Underdog Games? Is it a, uh, you know, they, they had a little whistle for, for everyone to <laughs> whistle? Yeah, or something like that? Uh, no, but it's it's kind of a weird story. So uh, what happened was, at the time, in about uh, in 2017, I was working as a creative director at Eagle Griffin Games. Uh, it was a short stint that I was there, and um, I'm I'm friends with with the, some of the Gameland Games people. Um, you know, make the, they make the Tiny Epic series. Oh yeah, they're really good guys. They sent oh, me a awesome. game for my birthday. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, I love those guys. Um, so what they? Um, oh man, I got to kind of like cut the camera to <laughs> away for a second to them. Uh, they were working with a guy called Hassan Hasmani. Um, Hassan is an Amazon, uh, seller. Um, and you know, he had been actually selling specifically board games for years, uh, or I should say for a couple years with like great success, you know, he yeah. made million dollar business out of selling board games. Like mm-hmm. he was basically wow. day, day trading board games, as crazy as that sounds like finding the rare ones, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he was, you know, he's a very ambitious dude. He's very like business minded. He was trying at the time to you know, work with other companies, Gameland being one of them, to sort of like sell his services to get these guys onto Amazon more than they are, um, set them up, et cetera, right? Um, no, that's so and, smart. Yeah, so he, and he's also, uh, yeah, like huge into hiking, you know, loves travel, loves hiking. Um, and so he was at their offices one day, and I guess he like looked over and he saw trekking the national parks and he's like, hey, what's that? what is that? And, he, and, and, um, they were like, Oh, this, oh, our friend Bink made this, you know? And he kind of looked at it and he says like, Oh, did he get it published from somewhere? And they're like, no, he just made it himself. And he's like, do you have his cell phone? So I'm like literally oh just God, sitting. So yeah. And out of nowhere, I get this call and Hassan's like, Hey, and I'm like, well, Hey, he's like, I want to <laughs> <I> meet you. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. Um, you want to meet me? All right. Uh, so I met this random guy at like a coffee shop. Oh my and, god! Yeah, and he was just <laughs> In like, way, that's good." <laughs> yeah, so it was crazy, and I'm, I'm, I'm. He's telling me about what he's done and like his business and everything, and he sort of like lays it out like, you know, I've gotten really good at selling games online, um, and it's frustrating to me because I'm t- I talk to all these other game companies and saying you guys should be doing this, and none of them do it. So I just want to make my own game company at this point, just to prove that you should just do it this way. That's um, so funny. But I don't have any games, obviously. You know, I'm, I'm doing is re- I'm a reseller, not an actual seller. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I wasn't 100 percent happy with my working environment at the time. So I just said, I have barely know this guy. Screw it, let's do this. You know, um, and so I quit my job and I started working for Hassan. Not necessarily Underdog Games didn't even exist at the time. It was more just like 
helping with you know, Amazon sales of games with the idea of, you know, maybe we'll publish games too. And, and trekking wasn't even in the uh, stars at the time. Um, so yeah, I just sort of took a leap of faith and, uh, said, let's do this. And a couple months in, um, you know, we both sort of realized like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> um, oh, wow. but, but, and he's like, well, what game should we sell? And I'm like, you know, we could just sell my game. I don't want to, you know, this isn't like, it's like I don't know what else. presumptuous, but also yeah. this is a really cool award and it's basically got, already done. Yeah, exactly. No, that was kind of, kind of how it went. I was like, well, it's already done. We can just do it. Um, so, you know, we set up a deal where like underdog games licenses the game and that's its own separate deal. But I'm also an employee of underdog games doing everything you can imagine, whether it be, you know, like setting up conventions or like doing art for games or, you know, um, anything and everything. I've even done like Amazon listings and marketing and stuff like that. So yeah, so we, so we said, let's publish the second edition. And that was around the summer of 2018 when the ball started rolling on that. And um, I did my side of things, which was just make the game. And then I was very blown away to watch him do his side of things, which was, you know, um, like, like all these crazy marketing tools and just a deep understanding of Facebook ads and like Google ads and things like that. And just this whole other world I'd never seen before. Um, and yeah, we, we, I guess you could say relaunched trekking that year and it was just, it was crazy successful. And now it, it sort of has grown the company since then. So that's sort of the story of how underdog came about. Absolutely. I know yeah. that's so amazing. Cause I easily see trekking at every friendly local game store I go to. And actually some of the places that I've gone to just like hiking where they have mm-hmm. a random shop somewhere. I'm like, Oh my God, I know this game. Yeah, no, we've, the, the, some of that was left over Cause you know, me and my family, my parents um, reached out and started a lot of relationships with like national park gift shops. Um, but a lot of it is just since we started underdog, we've been very diligent about, you know, making relationships with game stores and you know, getting it there. No, I do love that, especially when you can find a game that can go into a national park or a museum or an art Mm -hmm. gallery or something like there's this other random place that you can sell it where it's like, this is the only game it's competing against. Yeah. You know, you want to be the, you want to be the funnest thing in the room. That's usually what, uh, what, uh, what does the job. Oh, that is so cool. So what made you decide to continue the trekking series and add on trekking the world? So trekking the world, I always very fondly say like that is my like love letter to Hassan. Like mm-hmm. that, that I made that one for Hassan because um, Hassan is a world traveler. He loves. He's he's been all. He's from India originally, but he's been everywhere, um, and he loves it. And you know he loves trekking the national parks. And I had had I had had some ideas that I'd always kind of wanted to do with trekking. Uh, once again, like I was never really satisfied with it. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. What if we made, you know, a trekking the world kind of a thing? Um, and, you know, I was like, yeah, well, let's do it. Why not? Um, so uh, we sort of like, you know, worked together to um, figure out like exactly what we wanted the game to be. And it was sort of an amalgamation. Like we wanted to, we didn't just want to like slap a bunch of like, hey, you guys know what these places are. Uh, world travel, right? Uh we wanted it to be like, you could tell that this is a game about world travel, but then when you're playing it, you're going to learn about a lot of places that you've never heard of before. Cause you know, the world has some just crazy places. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So that was sort of the inspiration, like much like trekking, we want it to be educational. This was more of like, uh, because I'm not as traveled as Hassan. This was in a sense, like sort of his baby for that. Okay. Um, but I got to sort of, uh, uh, you know, build that game around that premise. Um, I know. I so. remember when I got my Kickstarter copy, I was mm-hmm. like silently judging. I'm like, oh, why'd they choose this place? Why'd they choose <laughs> yeah, this yeah. place? Because I'm thinking of my travels and where I chose to like spend my money to go out of the country. That was like the first thing I told him. I'm like, I'm like, just so you know, it's on. Like, there is no winning with this. There's literally no winning. Like, we're gonna hear forever. Like, why didn't you have this? Why didn't you have that? And we <laughs> oh, just said, sure. like, let's just bite that bullet and do it. Um, so, but overall, we're, I'm really happy with how it, how it turned out. All in all. In all. That's fantastic. And I love how like the journey kind of reflects, you know, travel as a whole, right? Like you mm-hmm. become more worldly, you go visit like these different locations or whatever, and then you kind of have to say, what's going to one up the next one? So mm-hmm. in that way, uh, Bink, could I ask how trekking the world is different from trekking national parks? Uh, other than like the, the scope of it obviously is much grander. Uh, is the gameplay like that much more heavy or is it something that the people who have played uh, only uh parks like can kind of un- get into 
Yeah, I would describe it sort of as um, it's not like a huge quantum leap from the last game. Perfect. Um, it is definitely like a spiritual successor. It uses a lot of the same uh, mechanisms. But um, uh, I'm trying to think like what a, what a very straightforward way of saying this is. It, it's it's kind of like, you know, uh, what Ticket to Ride Europe is to, you know, regular Ticket to Ride United okay. States. Um, awesome. Somewhat. Maybe a little more than that. I also, yeah. there was one major mechanism that I had always wanted to test that I was really happy to put into Trekking the World um, as far as how the movement in the game works. And I, I'm, I way prefer quite a bit compared gotcha. to the original. And yeah, what is super. it? Um, so in regular Trekking, um, you basically have a sort of, um, it actually is kind of a good pace for new players, I think, in that, on your turn, you can just do kind of whatever you want. You want to draw cards, you always have two actions. You can use them to draw cards, use them to move, use them to claim, however you want to do them. I had, after making Trek to the National Parks, thought, huh, what if you had to move every turn? That would make it, I think, a lot more puzzly. Like, you really, it would force you to think about what you had to do in your next turn um, without really complicating the game much beyond that. And so that's the biggest, I would say, difference between the two games is just that one little rule. It really changes the experience. And I do like the fact that you specify if you're playing a three, you can't go like forward two, backward one. You can't re-travel yeah. where you were. Because yeah, my friend yeah. kept trying to pull that shenanigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just not fair. It really isn't. I will say like the artwork is great though. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's a, uh, that was, that, so I, 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 having come from an art background, um, and like where I worked in an art department for a company for 10 years. Um, so one of the things I love about my job is sort of getting to be an art director and like talking to these artists from around the world. And, um, I discovered the artists for that game, um, just after a, like a long search and worked with them to come up with a sole like look for the game and sort of help direct like what the art was going to be for it. I did most of the graphic design for the game. Um, but it was great. It was, it was, it's nice to like be able to afford a team in a sense to like sort of make something together. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the artwork is one of the things that stood out to me the most. And I mean, you guys did phenomenal on Kickstarter and every single Kickstarter update was like a new picture of art from some place that I already wanted to go, but seeing it as this drawing or this like almost picturesque painting Mm -hmm. just made me more want to be at the place. Nice. So yeah, you've been kind of all over the place, pun intended, with (laughs) with trekking, like, you know, having the game on your own, having it signed with a publisher in a mm-hmm. way uh is there something that you could impart on maybe a first-time designer what piece of advice you'd like to give them uh in terms of uh you know what you've learned s- thus far in your career i guess i would say games the way we play them today feels a lot different than when i first started playing games in like the early 2000s mm-hmm. um i think i even said earlier in this in this interview that like um, you know, hey, we got this new game and, you know, you open it's it up. It's good and you play it 500 times. Yeah, over and over, every week you're playing it over and over again. So this is kind of a two-pronged answer. So if I'm rambling, forgive me. No, keep going. Yeah, never um, apologize. <laughs> my, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do the first part here. Um, be, today, at least with like gamers, at least with like hobbyists, um, it's not like that anymore. You know, we got like every weekend is like, let's learn the new rules. It feels like, um, it, so true. we're playing more and more games than ever. So, uh, this term I felt like keeps coming up for me and I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I coined it, but I say it all the time. And it's sort of become a thing we talk about at my company a lot, which is a first play experience. So just, you know, the first time you play a game, what that experience is like. And I, I believe in today's gaming world that that specifically, I don't want this to sound cynical, but if you want to be in the business of games, that trumps literally everything else. Because the fact is sometimes all you need is one good first play experience for uh, the people at the table to go, I like that. I love that game, which means they're going to tell everyone that they talk to. I like that. I love that game, you know? Um, and that's just sort of the viral nature of how games are sold as, you know, you can advertise all you want, but, you know, people have to be talking about if they like it or not. Make, always make the best game you can make, obviously, but really look through the lens of, I think, that very, very first play because everything rides on that. Um, it could be a great game, but if the rule book sucks, if, you know, it feels like it just takes too long and it drags out, if any one of those things sullies that first play experience, even if it is a great game, 
um, I feel like you miss out on kind of like this invisible, this like massive customers that you'd probably never get otherwise. Um, the other thing though, and this is, this I think is somewhat connected, um, has to do with, and, and I think this has to do actually with, in some senses, the success of trekking. Uh, and that is as gamers, like in our community, we've gotten used to what it feels like to play a lot of games. And I think it's re we very easily forget that like 99% of the people out there, they didn't have the 2000s years that I was talking about. They didn't have that. We're going to play um, Sellers of Catan for, you know, two years straight every, every week. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, I think it's worth really, really, really forcing yourself to try to like, in a sense, make those people happy. And that's hard to do because we're playtesting with other gamers and what's going to make those people happy absolutely will not make other gamers happy. I've, nope. I've found at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's a balancing act and I'm not even going to pretend for a second that I figured it out, but I, I, I at least feel like I recognize it and I don't think everyone does. So I would say that that's an important one. That is so true. So I have a question and I have an opinion to it. So I'm sure. going to ask the question first. Okay. When you ended up getting your copy of Trekking the World, when you started to open it, how did you feel? Like, what did you think of this published game that you had done and worked on uh, with Underdog versus just it being a second edition of a game you had started? Okay, so you're asking how did it feel specifically with Trekking the World to, to yeah, sort of get the first copy? To see the materials, to see the pieces and how everything was laid out. Like, how did it feel in comparison to the first one? Well, I mean, nothing compares to the first time. <laughs> like I, I mean, it's it was great. It was great. Don't get me wrong. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Um, but I mean, I'll never forget when um, with trekking the national parks, um, me and my family were, you know, we're at my, I'm at my parents' house, and we got the the first, you know, uh, factory, you know, mass production copy of it, opening it up and freaking out and vi- like videotaping it, and uh, like it's, it, I, I don't know, it's it's it, it's nothing can at least for me compare to that. Um, I still always enjoy those first unboxings, but it's pales in comparison, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, I honestly would have thought the same, but I will say when I opened up the box, I was just amazed by how great that plastic insert was and how it had all the perfect dividers and so organized and gorgeous artwork. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Good, un- so was good like, unboxing experience. It was a I mean, great that's unboxing experience. Cool, cool. I was like, oh, I should have recorded it. Oh, well. <laughs> nice. I'm happy to hear that. Thanks. Yeah. And I I have to wonder, like, how did you end up having, well, you and your parents end up on Game Master, that documentary about games that's on oh, Amazon that's a, Prime? That's a whole other story. So cut back to, and this is where I don't remember the exact date. I want to say it was probably 2016 sometimes i don't know exactly though it's okay. it could be six, 16 or 15 but basically i completely out of the blue got a phone call from uh not a phone call it was an email from someone who runs strategicon in uh, the california uh, it was like la area i had never heard of the convention strategicon but they were like hey we'd really like it if you came and you know had a booth at strategicon I'm like, ah, thanks, but you know, I don't really have any money for booths or any of that. Sorry, thank you though, I really appreciate it. And they're like, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll make the booth for free. You can have the booth for free. I'm like, it sounds awesome, but I, I don't have money for a hotel room. Sorry, so thank you. Oh, we'll give you the hotel room for free. I'm like, oh, oh. all right, I can't really say no to this wow. at this point. <laughs> so I go to this convention. Um, I knew it was small. I didn't realize how small it was. Only a thousand people. I brought like four cases of the game. Uh, which is, what is that? Yeah, 24 games. And okay. I, I sold three of them for the entire weekend, just put it in perspective how small this convention was. But during that time, while I'm just sitting at the booth and you know meeting people, you know, I, I met John Wick, who's also an Arizona person. He was like my neighbor. He's oh, an RPG, so RPG guy, so that was cool. Nice. Uh, but while I'm, do- while I'm sitting there, this random guy walks by and he like looks down and he, he's like, hey, that looks cool. Oh, hey, yeah. Board, oh, board game about national parks. Awesome. Hey, you want to be in a documentary? Now, I, I have to explain. Like, this guy was <laughs> like, like he had like an ice cream stain on his t-shirt. Like, his oh name is... Oh, my God. I was like, oh, what's your name? He's like, my name's Wally. I'm like, your name's Wally. Okay. <laughs> um, so he says, do you want to be in a documentary? And I'm thinking, like, is he a college student? I, 
and I just say, sure, thinking that, you know, the minute this goes beyond, like, like it, the minute this becomes you know difficult at all, I'm just gonna say, ah, oh, sorry, I'm not gonna do this because okay. I'm investing it just a college student. Uh, I say, sure, yes. I don't hear from him again for like six months. Then I get another email like, hey, this is Wally. You're still down for this documentary, right? I'm like, yes. And he says, can I, can, you know, uh, <laughs> this is where I kind of screwed up. He's like, would you be willing to like, like, come to Yosemite and like, we'll get like shots of your family. And I'm like, no, no, I have no idea who you guys are. No way. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Can uh, you please come into this forest? <laughs> well, yeah. And, it's sort of like none of that, and so I'm like, oh, I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, sorry. My parents, blah, 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 whatever. And they said, okay, well then can we just come to you and get interviews and whatnot? So I was like, of course I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Path of least resistance in my mind. Cause again, I just think this is nothing. And yeah, they long story short, you see where this is going. They show up. I'm like, whoa, that looks like an expensive camera. What's going on here? Um, they're like, yeah, no, we are an actual documentary crew. We like, we've had a, we've had a, you know, a, a Sundance Award one winning uh, documentary before. Uh, I was Not like, well, <laughs> yeah, no, and I just, I was like, I totally judged the book by its cover, and I feel bad by it. But it, but it was like, okay, so you know, I did the interviews, but even then, like I said, think about the timeline here. That was like. 2016 like it was years ago wow yeah and it just came out what this summer yeah so i was still for a long time even though i was starting to think okay these guys are more legit i still sort of questioned i'm like eh, maybe this is a pet project maybe this isn't really gonna happen um but sure enough i mean the more i saw then they started showing me like like uh, cut reels and whatnot i was like oh my god these guys are legit this is a so much of my life is just getting ridiculously lucky. I mean, I, I, so I, that was I'm, another I'm one. I'm picking up on that. You're like, oh, and I said yes to this. And then I dropped my job and I said yes to this. Or it's like, yeah. oh, this person made fun of me. And I decided to be like, you know what? This is my challenge. <laughs> Trust me. I have no illusions that most of where I am is just because of a coin flip and uh, leaning against the right wall at the time. So yeah, I, that's, that's sort of how Game Master came about. Um, yeah. And, and it came out and I was, I was shocked and amazed. And it's, it's amazing too, because it was, it's sort of documented in a very sort of little simple spliced up way, sort of the arc of what happened with me and my family too. So I'm always happy that I'm going to be able to like, when I'm old, like look back on that uh, documentary as sort of a, you know, very well edited and crafted uh, cliff notes of that time in my life. Oh, definitely. That's fantastic. Oh my God, for real. Did you have everybody like purchase it on Amazon? Be like, you need to watch this. Ah, see, I'm grossed out by asking people to buy my stuff. Uh, personally, this is why I'm happy that I work with a team of people that do marketing, so I don't have to. <laughs> uh, here. Nice. Yeah, I did my due diligence and like, hey guys, documentary's out, check it out, you know, and then went out of my way to never say anything again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's no, I, I know a lot of my friends have seen it, obviously, since then. So and it's it's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool. It's it's weird that the weirdest thing is if you like go to Amazon, it's like this giant picture of me, like pretending like I look smart. Just like, uh, <laughs> makes my skin crawl whenever I see it. But Wally, thank you for letting that be the thumbnail for yes. that documentary. Yep. Wally, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Does he know that you were very skeptical and thought he was some college student? Like, is that a running joke between you guys? Now? Uh, I, don't, I don't know if he knows that. I'll be honest. Well, because Wally was the producer, as it turned out. And the guy I worked with was the director named Ch- Charles. I only saw Wally like twice in my life. But it was that first time and then like one other time when he showed up for the interview. Um, and then after that, the Charles is the director. He's great. Uh, he's the one I talk to mostly now so or have talked to since a lot. How did you feel about the documentary as a whole? Like not only just your part with your family, but how did you feel about it? I loved it. I, I'm honestly, I think they nailed it. I've heard complaints that it doesn't go into enough like detail about making games, but there's a part of me that's like, what? like they, like that is such a unique, like specific crowd to make a game about actually designing games as a top down. Like this is what our industry looks like. This is what the dreams of the people that are in the industry or want to be in industry look like. I don't know if you could have done much better. Like that's just, I mean, I, I may be biased in that sense, but I think they absolutely nailed it. So I'm really proud of how it turned out. Like, and, and I, I, I feel weird saying proud of how it turned out. Cause again, I just showed up. They, they, <laughs> they did it, you know, that's their movie. Um, so I, I, they did a great job. No, I thought the same thing, honestly. And the variety in games, like not only yours, but that one mm-hmm. about the engagement, that oh, was yeah. just based off of like a culture that many, many people would never understand. I, mm-hmm. I legit looked on the website. I was like, this is going on my Christmas list because I yeah. want to play this game because it's so interesting. Like you're learning about a whole other culture with yours. You're learning about these national parks that maybe you're never going to see or the mm-hmm. world. 
Yeah. No, I think they did a really good job. I mean, they told me they exhaustively searched for the, uh, if you say the designers, the characters of the movie um, to find like their breakdown of the people. And I think they did a good job with the four that they found. They all sort of, we all sort of, I think, represented a different angle of yep. like up and comers in a sense, like people trying to get into the industry. And so, yeah, to kind of close out with this industry and, and your time in it, hopefully a lot longer as well, moving forward here, Charlie, uh, what could you summate or just kind of uh, pin down as maybe your most favorite and least favorite experiences thus far? Ooh, uh, just so just in general of like, uh, so favorite and least favorite experiences of being in this industry? Correct. Yeah, just being yeah. In the industry, everything designing. up to this point. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, favorite, <laughs> favorite is definitely like, and I can't pinpoint a day, but there was a day within the last you know year that I was like, oh, I'm I am making my living from this. This is awesome. Like this yeah. is what I this is what I've always wanted. You know, um, and you know it wasn't like any kind of Super Bowl celebration. There wasn't champagne. I just sort of like woke up one day, started my work, and said, oh, this is my job, and I th- that was just awesome. It's a great mm-hmm. feeling. Uh, worst parts about it. Um, there's a lot of those, but, <laughs> oh um, I, I like the original first edition of trekking and this is actually, they talk about this a little bit in the documentary, uh, was a family business and family businesses are mm. tough. Like my, my family, when it's just like, Hey, let's hang out or let's, you know, visit a park or whatever. We're great. Everything's awesome, but bring business into it. And it's a nightmare. So there were some real, real low points that um, Mm -hmm. during that initial uh, us selling those first edition copies of the game that that were you know painful, but happily it you know it was all for the best. I would say in the end. Yeah, because I remember a part of the documentary talked about someone had tried to buy the rights or buy the company or something, and that Uh, you guys had a little bit of an internal dispute on how to react. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm hesitant. You know what? I don't, I'm trying to think it would be a big deal if I said who was going to sign it. Basically, you got to understand, I was still a pretty green uh, game designer at the time. And I made this game. It won a Mensa. And I had uh, a game company, a pretty prestigious one, reach out and say, hey, we want to license your game. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, it's pretty personal. Like, the art is mine. They're like, you can do whatever you want. We don't care. Anything you want on it, it's fine. So to me, at the time, I'm like, this is a dream. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, and, I get to do whatever I want and you're going to buy it. And it's going to get published. Yeah. And um, I talked to my parents about it and they were like, absolutely not. Absolutely. We're not signing this to anyone. Else. Are you kidding me? And so as you can <laughs> imagine, I, that I flipped out because it's like, you guys are retired. Like what the, like, how, what are you doing? Like the, the, I, you already lived your life with this stuff. This is, you know, me now. Uh-huh. Um, and um so, yo, that was, and it was kind of just like, well, there's two of us and there's only one of you. So yeah, oh, it's not going to happen. Oh man, they got you on the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, so it was, a, it was bad. That wasn't the only thing by any, by any means, but it was a big thing. Uh, and once again, I got to tip my hat. Like, uh, I don't think, I don't think I'd be able to be where I am right now if I had taken that deal back then. There so, you are. Yeah. It's crazy. Once again, just got lucky. And, uh, I don't even think they realized the wisdom <laughs> of what they were saying. So, Yeah. Well, I'm glad that worked out. I remember during the Kickstarter, you guys posted that you are working on a third trekking game. Do you want to talk a little about that? Yeah, no, sure. So, um, well, trekking, you know, it's it's got a bit of a following now. Um, and uh, we're, you know, <laughs> we're always trying to figure out what we're going to do next at Underdog. Um, you know, we've been looking at a lot of games. We've been looking at a lot of products, trying to figure out what it's going to be. While at the end of that uh, uh, Kickstarter campaign, Nick, who's a newer guy at uh, uh, Underdog, he mentioned that the entire reason the game Oceans, the evolution game Oceans exists, is oh, because really? yeah. he yeah. sent uh, out an email at the, uh, at the end of a previous North Star game um, Kickstarter saying, hey, everyone, our, our loving fans, if there was another evolution, what would you want it to be about? And hands down, they all said oceans. Um, so interesting. So when he heard that, he's like, "Well, that's what they want." So let's see if there's any if there's any meat to that, you know. Um, and sure enough, I don't know if you guys played Oceans, but it's brilliant. It's amazing. And yeah, it's I've heard of, that it might even be better than the original. Uh, I haven't no, played it yet. But... No joke, it absolutely is. Not oh, even a yeah? question. It absolutely is better than regular uh, evolution in my mind, or okay, at least I need to play it. It's fantastic. 
Um, so that, but that game was born out of, out of basically, let's just ask the people who clearly like what we make, what they want and see if that jives with what we want. And so we did sort of a similar poll and surprisingly, like I was like, I was, I was prepping myself to be like, Oh no, what are these people? Oh God, what what is this going to be? And the, and the number one thing they said was history, which I kind of like, I was like, history, history doesn't have maps. Like, what, what are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> um, but that was, but it was so off the wall and weird that I, I, we kind of just as a company, we're like, like let's start, right, let's see what we can do. And so I spent a, a quarter of this year, um, we've got our, our job, we sort of break our, all our projects into quarters. Um, I said, ah, yes, for this quarter, among the other things I have to do, I'm just going to throw myself at doing a bunch of prototypes for what would possibly be a, a history trucking game. Um, and it's been going great. Uh, we have a prototype right now that a really love that is sort of in its, you know, cresting its sort of final uh, cycle of just design before it goes into just, you know, development. Um, and I'm loving it. I'm really, th- I really think people are going to like it. It's a very different type of game than the other trucking games though. Epic. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, Charlie. That's so, that's so like just validating to hear, right? That like your audience, you know, pick something for you. You don't really know how it's going to go. And it turns out, yeah, you may become a fan of it too. And hopefully it'll satisfy all of them as well. Yeah, and I'm hoping so. Yeah, I have to ask, like, playtesting now in comparison to before, what are the differences since we are still living in that COVID world? Um, so, yeah, I don't obviously do as uh, much of any face-to-face playtesting other than just with my wife. Um, we, you know, we test games almost nightly, uh, but two-player. Um, otherwise, it's Tabletop Simulator is the haven for this stuff. Um, I, I go to... Um, uh, one group meetup uh, every now and then online where I will test the game. Um, but also we've sort of built at underdog a, um, a, a list of people who are interested in testing the games we're working on. Um, and so every Wednesday we have a, we have a, a couple hours dedicated to just um, people that have reached out that said, Hey, we'd like to test the games as they go. And, you know, we get insights from them, collect data about the game. That's mainly how we've been testing lately. Oh, that's so nice. How did you end up collecting that list of people? Uh, from the Kickstarter, you know, we just uh, we uh, said, hey, anyone who's interested in testing, uh, just sign up right here. And do you think this newest edition is going to end up on Kickstarter? Um, that's uncertain. I don't know for sure if it is or not yet. Okay, good to know. Are there any other projects that you're currently working on that you'd want the audience to know about? So there's one I don't want to talk about too much. I know you've played it, Danielle. It's my favorite game I've ever made. Um, oh, my gosh. And it's a, it's a, I'll just say it's a trick-taking game. Um, but there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and so that one just recently, I'm excited. Like we've sort of green lit it here in the company. Um, and I don't know when it's going to come out, but I, I'm going to be dedicating a ton of time to it now. So that game project X or whatever you want to call it. I'm really excited about this year. Underdog also got the license to, uh, sort of a family favorite coconuts. If you guys have heard of that before, it's a dexterity game where you sort of, it's sort of a beer pong for families where everyone has like a little, uh, like a monkey, monkey cup, and right? shooting yeah. coconuts yeah, in the cup. In the cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we sort of just stumbled onto that license. And while it's very different than the games we sold, because we're such an online um, uh, focused com- company, we said, let's try this. Let's license this and see how we can do this Christmas season. So, so, you, so you might be seeing ads for monkeys throwing coconuts on Facebook in the next couple of months. So, you know, I just don't say I didn't warn you. Is all I'm I was going to say, we know who to blame now. <laughs> yes. Forward so. to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Well, that is awesome. Is there anything else you want to tell our audience or tell them how to get connected with you or follow you on a social media platform as we kind of wrap up? Um, I mean, I would, for me, I'm on Facebook from time to time. So, you know, you can always friend me on there and we can say hi. Uh, for, to see what's going on with uh, our games and underdog, underdoggames.com. Just sign up for our newsletter. We don't spam too much. We just occasionally say what's coming out. And that way you can sort of track the new games as they come out. Awesome. Perfect. And are you guys currently looking for new additions to uh, have any designers reach out to you? Do you have an email address or are you guys like still designing within the company? We're mostly designing the company and sort of um, uh, invitations, uh, in a sense, invitation only. Like I, I've read, I'll reach out to, to designers and say, hey, if you have any um, designs you want to submit, please do. Um, Perfect. But, you know, if people send it, I will say this, if you just say, you know, I'm going to just send them a, desi- uh, a design 
if it's not, if it's, unless it's a video, I would recommend to anyone like do pitches in video form. Don't just send mm-hmm. me rules. Um, I'll watch them. I'll watch every one of them. It's a video. If it's just a, a if, you know, if it's like 10 pages of rules, I'm not even going to look at it. No offense. I just I have too much stuff going on, um, but I'll no, always look at sense. the videos. So and I think that's honestly good advice, regardless of who you send it to, like just make a video. It's just so much easier. No, I do agree. It stinks because it takes so much more time on the designer's part, but it is so much True. easier for all the publishers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Um, then I'm going to close us out. So thank you for joining me, Danielle, for the Game Design Unboxed Inspiration to Publication, Episode 5, Trek in the National Parks and World. And also thank you for joining Ben. He came in here at the little bitty end. <laughs> hey. Yeah. And so, Ben, where can people find you? Yeah, yeah. Just find me on Facebook at uh, Ben Moy or your friend Ben Moy Designs Board Games. Awesome. And you can find me on Instagram at Token Gamer, and that's G-A-Y-M-E-R, or on Facebook at DMR Creative Group or Twitter at Creative DMR. And so thanks again, Charlie, for joining us. Honestly, all your insight and hearing about three different games published in the same line has been awesome. (laughs) I really appreciate it. You guys were awesome to talk to. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, for sure. No, thanks for coming on. I mean, absolutely. if anybody hasn't watched your documentary... I really suggest doing it, especially because I, I don't know. It might even be free on Amazon Prime. I, I think, think it is. Paid yeah. for it, but now I think it's free. I think they did it uh, like for a limited time. It's free right now, so you can check it out. Oh, very cool. So yeah, do that and check out all the games that are coming up, especially Project X, which I'm looking forward to receiving a copy that's signed by you when it comes out. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. Awesome. Can't wait to uh, trek in next time uh, at the uh, you know first <laughs> convention that we're all able to to get together at. Thanks, Charlie. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> looking forward to meeting you guys again. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to tune in in 2021, where we are actually moving from Saturday over to Wednesday on the No Direction Network. So starting January 13th, you're going to be listening to us every other week on Wednesdays. Thanks. This has been another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time.